because I didn't feel a lot of value outside of just being a mom (laughs) or like being a good wife to you, which I knew I was those things, but like there wasn't anything of mine that like people could just be like, Kate is a really good blank. We used to be kids. Now we're not. Something happened in between. This is the Broken Youth Club. The movie starts with Barbie kind of being in her Barbie world and like every day is just as good as the last day and the next day is going to be perfect and the day after that. And then she out of nowhere talks about like um, having these thoughts of dying. And then she's like, where did that come from? Right. And I thought it was funny because it immediately hit me in the way of how like sometimes I'll just have these random thoughts. Like you know, like intrusive thoughts. Yeah, like how people kind of. Well, I mean, I see people joke about it. Maybe, maybe that's not a normal thing. But people joke about like, oh, you ever driving down the road and you just think like, you know, like yeah. just <laughs> yeah. like I'm not gonna do it, but maybe I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Um, and that's the first thing that popped in my head when she did that. I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I get those. Il- illustrating that. Yeah, and so then she kind of went on this journey to figure out like why she was having those. Like, why all of a sudden she wasn't the same Barbie that she was before? Right. Um, And um, in Barbie land, it's run by Barbies, you know, and and the Ken dolls are there, but they're accessories. You know, it's it's run by Barbie. It's President Barbie. uh, The Supreme Court is Barbies. Like, it's all ran by females. And they think that they were created to give, like the real world a guide of like look women can do anything so women should be leaders women should be in high positions the world should be you know there there should be women in charge <clears throat> and then right. barbie gets into the real world and it's like oh what where are all the women right. like and like none of the board members at mattel are women and it's yeah. just and so right. then it's just also this kind of the whole movie is really just um a commentary on 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 women yeah. and like uh there's just this really special monologue in it where America Ferrera's character kind of breaks down what it really feels like to be a woman and also a mom because she is a mom in this movie and I'm listening to her and I had already heard it on social media like I'd already seen that clip but I'm watching it in the movie and I'm like oh uh oh, I'm like, I'm gonna start crying. And Ollie's just next to me, like munching on the popcorn, you know? <laughs> and uh and then there's another part of the movie and towards the end that I won't talk about, but it made me start crying too. Um, and so I think it's just it kind of put me in this place of this is kind of how I felt for a really <clears throat> long time. Yeah, it seemed to really hit you pretty hard. Yeah, because Barbie at one point, like there's all these different Barbies in Barbie land, but the main character Barbie is stereotypical Barbie. She's like beautiful and fashionable and well-liked and all of those things, but she's not president Barbie or astronaut Barbie or Dr. Barbie. And so she's like, what am I even, Yeah, you know, like I don't have these big accomplishments and I'm like, me too, girl. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I feel like I am Mother Barbie, but I'm, like, not even great at that because I struggle so much to find joy in just being a stay-at-home yeah. mom. And so I feel like, I don't know, it's just, it was like a big reminder of the life that we're living that I am so thankful that we live and we get to have. It's not the one that I would have chosen for myself as yeah. a little kid. It's not... <clears throat> It's not the Barbie I would have picked. Um, right. And, you know, we've talked be- a lot before about how you're, like, such a dreamer. And you get to have all of these dreams. And we get to do, the th- like, these things that you really want to do because, because 
you're like the head of the household and your responsibilities kind of, we fall into this very traditional roles, right? Like you are the provider and I'm the one that stays home. And so it's easy for you to think about these things that you could do to like further financially support us or whatever. And it's like every dream of mine has this timeline of like, I have to wait for the kids to get in school or if we keep this homeschool thing that we're doing currently, um, I have to wait until they're out of regular school. And um, that's just not the life that I would have chosen, you know? Um, It's just kind of what fell in for us. And so I think sometimes like tying it back into even just like the theme of this show, it's like the, the person I imagine myself being as an adult, like as a kid thinking what 33 year old Kate would look like. Um, I wanted a family. I wanted kids, but I did not want to just be home all the time. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, I know you've struggled with that for, Quite a while. You know, I know you uh, <clears throat> You seem to really enjoy it when Ollie came around, you know, for that first little bit. But, you know, I think it, I could tell by the time Arlo came around, and especially Simon, yeah. that it... I think you postpartum really hit you with Simon. <clears throat> wow, I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um Yeah, well, I think with Arlo, so when we had Ollie, I had a job that I loved, but it didn't make sense for me because the hours were so long. Yeah. And so I stayed home with Ollie for a couple years, and then Ollie went to daycare, and then I helped you at work because that's what made sense for us, for Mm -hmm. me to come in and help you so you wouldn't have to hire somebody. Um, And so that's just what we did for a long time. Yeah, And then- And then I kind of fell into this role specifically with helping you when it came to working with Dan and Lindsay. And I really liked that job for a long time. I really liked doing the customer service stuff. I liked um, answering the DMS in Mm -hmm. those uh, podcast pages. Like I liked engaging with people. And I remember even going into the hospital to have Arlo I'm in active labor and I'm answering emails and I'm not even mad about it. I was choosing to do it. Right. Like I liked, I liked feeling like I had something that people knew I was responsible for and I was handling that. Mm -hmm. And then right after we had Arlo, uh, within a year we moved out here and, uh, and I was like, we, we had a nanny that would come to the house and stay with them and, And with Arlo, I developed uh, postpartum anxiety. Yeah. Um, And I had never felt that before. I didn't even Mm -hmm. know what anxiety or stress felt like, truly. Um, And that was hard. That was really, like, hard for me. But we had a nanny we liked. And I really liked going into the office with you. Um, That felt like, again, a thing that I got to do that was, like, important. And I had a role that... I could be really proud of outside of just being a mom. And then, um, and then we all got COVID and we got, and it just got really hard and I got pregnant, which I wasn't, I wasn't anticipating. And so then like having to step away from doing any sort of work stuff to just like stay home with the kids because we were so sick and then feeling like we were right on we were right on the brink of having this other baby. Yeah. Um, and so that's just, again, it's like, that's what I had to do because that's what made sense for us. Um, child care out here is no joke. It's hard to even find a place that isn't year, a, is a year's long wait list. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but also my anxiety was so bad that the thought of taking the kids into a daycare rather than having a nanny was really hard. But our nanny had gone back to school and mm-hmm. it just didn't. We had tried a couple of other people and it didn't work. And so, um, yeah, I don't, it just feels like when Simon came, he was such a good baby. I'm so thankful that he was so good because I didn't feel like my anxiety got worse. Um, 
but it definitely didn't get better either. Um, but then I think being home a lot and being in a place where I didn't have friends or family, it just became like really isolating for me. Yeah. Um, and just like, I just felt really lonely. Um, and I can't hang out with you all the time cause you have yeah. to go to work. <laughs> um, and so then I think that like, I don't feel like the, de- like the depression stuff came from the pregnancy. I think it was just generally like our life circumstances yeah, and where we were at. Um, and I feel like last year we kind of had this, you know, break where our nanny had come back from school and she wasn't going to go back to school. So it was like easy to just kind of have her. Um, and I could do some of the things I really wanted to do. And I got to like lose this weight. And again, it's like, I didn't have a job, but I had something that I could be really proud of, yeah. you know, like, and I could feel really <laughs> good about, and I could work hard for it. And it felt good to work hard for it because I knew that people were seeing what I was doing <laughs> and like finding that like a value in me because I didn't feel a lot of value outside of just being a mom <laughs> Or, like, being a good wife to you, which I knew I was those things. But, like, there wasn't anything of mine that, like, people could just be like, Kate is a really good blank, you know? Um, And then whenever everything kind of exploded with our nanny and um, we stopped using her. And it just kind of, again, made sense because we wanted to buy a house and we needed to like tighten in on our finances to be able to do that. It's like, okay, well it just makes sense for you to, to not have a job. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) And now I'm just kind of back in this place of like, (laughs) feeling like I don't have anything to be really proud of, you know? Yeah. And, And we're doing this and maybe, maybe this will like fill that space for me um but i am just feeling it <laughs> damn it and like that barbie movie fucked me up today yeah, who would have thought it would have been barbie because man yeah. i just that's what i was kind of hoping this show would do for people what again whether they're in their office cubicle and they've been at their job for 25 years and they also struggle to find connection with people even when they're with people every day or maybe there's a contingent of other moms out there or stay-at-home dads um you know everybody's situation is different but i think what this show again is finding a common thread is that we're we're all on some level i think missing a connection with people and a purpose that's the thing that you've said to me, uh, you know, several times over the past, you know, bit or so that you feel, you know, purposeless. And I, as your husband, see, of course, like, of course, I, as an outsider, see your purpose here and I value you here. Um, but I know that's a different lens than your personal view on it. You know? Yeah. And I think that, like, I think being a stay-at-home mom can be so lonely because I've even struggled lately with them. Like, people think that, you know, you're really lucky to stay home and, you know, that you don't have to go work the grind with other people or deal with shitty bosses or shitty coworkers or whatever. And you get to stay home and like, you don't have to get ready if you don't want to. And you just kind of lay around or whatever. And it's like, it's so low. It's so lonely, but people <laughs> like I, the last time we went home, I kind of got into it with my parents um, because my mom worked <clears throat> and Definitely let us know that she wished that she wouldn't have, like, she didn't want to have to work. She would have liked to have stayed home. And my mom was one of those moms that, I mean, really had her life kind of revolve around us. She was really in, in, involved in all of our, uh, in all of our events and 
she was our softball coach and she was the Girl Scout leader. And she kind of, I mean, really poured herself into motherhood. Yeah. And would make these comments about how lucky I was that I get to stay home and uh, lucky that we do well enough financially that I could like take the kids to the to a museum if we wanted to. I mean, I mean we can't we can't go buck wild, but right. you know, we can like go do things if we want to. And my parents were not uh financial well they they made like decent money, I think, but they, they were so focused on saving to spend or to send my sister and I to college. Yeah. So they were like very tight with their money. Mm-hmm. Um like my mom would add stuff up in her head at the grocery store uh, and put things back if she didn't have enough. Like right. we lived on a tight budget. Um, and so my mom just thinks that, you know, I'm so lucky that I get to stay home and do what I do. Uh, and I told them that the last time I went home, I was like, I just feel like y'all have lost your ability to have any sort of empathy towards me because you think that I live this really blessed life (laughs) and it's like i do but it's also like my role in our life is not the role that i would have chosen for myself Mm -hmm. i'm a very social person i like to be around people and i'm just like isolated here that's what i that's what i wish so much as your husband that you know i can't really it's a it's a problem that i can't have a solution for yeah as we, I think, alluded to in the pilot. Um, and that I, I know that's how you've always gotten your soul fuel to speak, is being able to just feed off the energy of other people. And for 10 years almost, you've been deprived of that. Yeah. And so I would be curious if anyone else is listening who has had similar... Uh, a, a similar situation what 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 you have done to overcome because for us again we've moved across the country we have n- zero family out here zero uh, zero friends from you know our past life you know <clears throat> it was a totally new start and again we have a couple people that you know we can call on now and a few connections that we're starting to to make, but not um, we we still don't have kind of what we used to have. I think, right? Um, you know, I have my work relationships, which is great, but I I have since I moved out here, I don't hang out with anyone after hours. Well, and we have such a <clears throat> a hard time with not having family out here, or yeah. with with everything that happened with our our nanny and kind of like bouncing around to try to find somebody new to fill that role even just for us to go on dates or whatever but i mean we've talked about how like even if i wanted to go out of the house and do something if i could choose to do it with anybody i would choose to do it with you yeah but we're not in a space where we get to do that right so it's like I have literally a couple of people that I can call, but one of them also has kids. And if I don't have my kids, I don't, I wouldn't like choose to hang out with other kids. You know, you want to have adult time and kids are, kids are kids. (laughs) Um, Or my other friend works a lot. And so it becomes this thing of like, well, then I'm just going to go out and do stuff alone. And I don't really want to make new friends because that's exhausting and I'm so burned out from shitty friendships (laughs) that I don't even want to put myself out there like that. But a lot of times also with our age, like a lot of people our age have kids or have, uh, you know, marriages or long-term relationships or whatever. And so then it's also like you're rolling the dice on if, uh, if I really like the girl, but you don't like the the partner or if uh i really like the girl but i don't (laughs) like the kids or her kids don't like my kids or you know it becomes this kind of really hard chess game to play as an adult to make new friends do you feel you're able to okay so like the times you're able to uh sit on the porch and chat with sarah or something yeah 
do you feel that refills any of your tank at all? Well, yeah. I mean, I call her all the time. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that, like, her job stuff is lined out to where she has uh, – she basically like works during the school year and then mm-hmm. has the time off. So in the mm-hmm. summertime, I've been calling her like every day. And it was, you know, we just had her out for, she was out for five days. And it was the first time that she's been able to make it out here since we've moved here. And she brought her kid who is the same age as our oldest. And mm-hmm. they've been friends their literal entire lives. But like, I felt like a totally different person when she was here. Yeah. Like I was able to just like laugh and yeah. joke around and like goof the yeah. whole time. And it was like, as soon as she left, I felt really tired from doing all of those things. And I think having all of that, <laughs> like yeah. personality, <laughs> but now it almost just feels like it was just like a cruel reminder of like the person I used to be. And like, truly the the shell of that person i feel like i am most of the time and i don't know how to get that back because again the the best thing for us in our life right now is to do what we're doing yeah and ollie really likes homeschooling so i keep trying to be like are you sure you want to homeschool this year and ollie's like yeah i definitely do and i'm like okay (laughs) okay but i know for me it's just gonna be more more of the same you know yeah with with also the added pressure of making sure that i'm doing a good job and preparing oliver for middle school yeah you know i i obviously i'm 32 right now i need to blow my nose you know, just push I'm your mic so away and do it that's all right we'll just keep this one in <laughs> uh i feel like it's like a futile effort for me now uh to to try to make friends. I feel like always my friends have come from a, uh, circumstantial, um, uh, place in my life, you know, whether it be at the print shop or, you know, moving out here and getting to know the people at bad magic. And, you know, I, I've never really gone out of my way to try to find friends. And I think that's where growing up from being a kid, and being an adult with responsibilities and kids and yada yada is that we lose a lot of the circumstance that being a kid affords us, I think. So like being in school, being in band, you're, for, you're forced to choose an extra, well, not in that sense, but I, yeah, what, what, not, not extracurricular. What are they called? Because extracurricular is like sports. Talk about like art, band, I think elective. That's the term I was looking for, elective. But uh, but you're yeah you're forced to take electives art, music whatever, and then you get to know the the nerdy kids within those niche class, whatever. But as adults, we just kind of go through our cycles, and I've been in the same cycle now pretty much myself for what three years plus years now, and um, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy it. That's that's what I, I there's not a whole lot more that checks more boxes of what I can do with my daily job than I do now. I, I love it, but there is still this like uh there is a clear difference from from being a kid and having that youthful like being able to bounce from this and that and like everything's exciting and then you get to see your friends tomorrow and you do lose a lot of that. And I think um <clears throat> especially for you when you went from uh you went from high school to college um you had a handful of friends in college but once you got to your job right out of college which was at the campground you got to live like this super hyper focused everyone was your friend and you had so many of them that it was almost like just like a straight shot of drugs for you i think <laughs> Because you had, you got to, uh, yeah, you you got to be with them all throughout the day and like do your thing and pull it off. But then in the evening, y'all get to kind of like party and hang out. And you got to build these really great relationships over the course of a few summers there. And it was this, 
sense of you were able to hold on to this high school slash college feeling of camaraderie and community that doesn't exist in the real world in a whole lot of places. I do think they do exist um, for adults. I think you just kind of got to find them. And um, that's why I asked about Sarah is because she's obviously across the country. But when you're able to even just text her, you feel something different. And so what I'm hoping for you is just like the other groups on Facebook for us have been a place for us to find people to at least, you know, from far give a wave and feel like we're in some sort of similar community. It leaves, at least gives some sort of um, purpose to commune with other people. And so I'm hoping that there are some people out here who listen and and maybe we'll listen every week and, and we have, we can, you know, in a few months turn around and recognize a handful of, of the same people and it, it will start to feel like we're building our own thing. And I think it's important to be honest and open about our intentions. My intentions with this are first and foremost to do this, which I think we covered in the pilot, which is if, if, we record this and nobody ever listens and we just have these on a cool set that we made. I'm happy doing that for years because talking to you at night away from the kids is important and exciting for me. But that's just that's just one part. Another part is to build community and to help heal, to help other people heal and, and find... Um, a group of people who are tired of all the shit that life seems to offer and social settings seem to offer and are looking for just a little bit of change. And that change could be a whole lot of different things for different people. But for you, I think it's finding purpose and friendship. You know, for me, I think it's finding um, community and having a place for my voice to be heard because you know me I can ramble for hours about dumb shit too I was annoying you <laughs> I'll light the boot here a little a little bit I was annoying you the other day trying to <laughs> I was trying to explain to you my um my theory and concept about the fourth dimension oh my god please don't <laughs> I'm not, I, I promise I won't, I won't do it here. I, I promise <laughs> I won't do it here, but, um, no, I, I, uh, I, I really do hope. Yeah. I don't know. We get a Facebook group going or something. And if nothing else, I think you'll find some sort of odd comfort knowing that there are surely other people who are listening, who feel the exact other mothers specifically who feel exactly how you feel and who knows, maybe they have some hacks and tips and tricks. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a mother. I'm not a female. I'm not in your position. I can only be of support as much as I can. And, uh, and I hope what we're doing here is, is just a part of that. You know what I mean? My sister is the, she's the only sister I have. She's the only sibling I have. She's five and a half years older than me. And my parents really pounded it into us. Well, not they didn't pound it into us, but like they really talked to us a lot um, about how important it was for my sister and I to take care of our relationship. Mm -hmm. uh, that it was not a guaranteed relationship. So if you want to be mean to each other all throughout your childhood, you'll grow up and live separate lives and you yeah. won't you won't be siblings really anymore. You know what I mean? I think they really understood that, you know, blood only takes you so far. Uh, but if you aren't pouring into that relationship, you're gonna lose it. It's it's only gonna be as close as you want it to be. And uh so even though my sister and I are very different on uh, 
are my sister is um more high strung yeah uh there's a lot of fundamental differences between you and your sister yeah and i'm a very chill go with the flow kind of person my sister if she goes on a vacation she has lined out an entire itinerary months in advance she'll email it to you it is broken down by the hour she's solid i'm gonna go somewhere and i'm gonna wake up and decide what to do at that point well which makes sense though because your sister is a producer she's worked on a lot of you know big high production music videos yeah like award ceremonies and commercial all that stuff so she kind of has to have that she is by the minute uh structure yeah she's like a very just like type a person Mm -hmm. like she is just and always has been um, was a clean freak when we were younger, um, mm-hmm. a total germaphobe, very certain anytime anybody got sick or hurt, it was like a dire situation. I remember she was in the delivery room with us for our first two babies. Uh, and that first one with Ollie, uh, you know, it was a new experience for all of us. And I had, I got the shakes pretty bad. Uh, I don't remember if it was right before I gave birth or right after, but like my jaw was chattering and I was just like shaking. And my sister was like, is she okay? Are you okay? What's going on? What's happening? Like it was truly an experience (laughs) for her. Um, And she just kind of has always been very, very like, uh, (laughs) she is high strung. Yeah. Um, And I'm not, I am very chill and super flexible. Um, and so I remember, you know, you're almost I, too flexible sometimes. <laughs> like, I am, yeah. yeah. I'm like infuriatingly so. Like, yeah. I'm good to do pretty much anything anytime. So don't try to get me to plan something because <laughs> I'm just going to show up and we're going to do whatever yeah. falls into our lap. Yeah. Um, but my sister made it a point to invite me to do things with her, um, especially as we got older. She planned this whole trip for her and I to go on. Um, the summer before my senior year of high school uh, was also the summer that she was, you know, she was going to move the next year from, uh, she was going to graduate college and she was going to move to Nashville. And I, you know, we grew up in Indiana. So um, we took this vacation together and then she decided to move back into my parents' house instead of continuing to live in apartments with friends and stuff. Um, And her senior year of college, she, insisted that we share a bedroom um she had a bedroom at my parents house which she's right. like nope we're gonna share and we're gonna be really close and it's gonna be great and um feels like we that really set us up to have this just really crazy bond right like yeah. we're very close and when she moved away again because she is so scheduled and planned and i am so chill <laughs> and like very lax about a lot of things. I am, I, I lean more towards the out of sight, out of mind scenario. Um, and it's not because I'm not thinking of you. It's right. like literally what's happening in front of me is what I'm thinking about. Um, and I remember she, she used to like write me notes and stuff. She was always really good about like sending snail mail. Yeah. And I was She'll off. still do that today. She is. She's still great at it. And I'm still bad. I don't mean to. I literally have two cards upstairs that I have sat down and started to write mm-hmm. for her. And then I get distracted halfway through or the kids start crying or. Yeah. And it gets put away and then it never gets sent out. Um, But I remember she called me um, and I was like, I think I was driving maybe with my mom or you or I was with somebody and she called and I tried to be like, oh, I can't talk to you right now. And she was like, no, you're going to talk to me right now. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and she basically said that, you know, since she had moved, she felt like I wasn't reaching out. I wasn't like asking her how her, her day was going or how it was going in this new city she was living in. And it felt like I didn't care what was going on with her, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't true. You know, I was in my senior year of high school. I was dating you. I was in a lot of sports. Um, and I just thought she was doing her own thing. Another, another thing about me is I don't want anybody to feel, uh, burdened by me. And so there's this part of me too, that's like, I don't want to reach out to you if you're busy and then you feel like you have to get back to me. So I just wait. Yeah. I think I've always struggled with that too. It's like, if you really want to, which I know is unfair and isn't necessarily logical. It's just like my base (laughs) setting. 
if you really want to see or talk to me, then you will like make that known to me. Yeah. But, um, I know I'm bad about reciprocating the other way. Yeah. Because yeah, the same thing is I don't, I also don't want to be the cause of burden in other people's life or disruption of any kind. So I'm always like, to this day, I'm, I'm always still nervous to knock on anyone's like office door and be like, Hey, I gotta, you know, <laughs> even though that's like part of the process, it just still feels like anytime I feel like I disrupt <laughs> the flow of what should be going on, even if it's for five seconds, it feels like a, a, a guilty feeling like I'm burdening, burdening you. I don't even like to ask my babysitter if she wants to babysit. Because I'm yeah, like, well, right. what if she has hey, plans do you want to do that night? thing that we've agreed that yeah. like your whole purpose is to do? Yeah. 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 I'm always like, and if you can't, it's it's totally fine. I can like figure out something else. I wonder if that's a generational thing uh, I don't uh, know. to an effect or if that's just specifically a you and me thing, you know. An anxious person thing. <laughs> or like, an oh anxious my God, are you person, yeah. okay? Are you good? Um. But yeah, and I'm super thankful that she called me and called me out in that way because <laughs> I don't ever want her to feel like I don't care about what's going on with her or that I'm not thinking about her. Yeah. And I've had to communicate that to her numerous times over the years, especially after having kids because she doesn't have kids. Um, and I, I think that she kind of, I mean, you don't know what it's like until you have them, right? Like no, yeah. these little shits are in your ear all the time, you know, <laughs> like love them so much, but they're a lot and it's hard to steal any time away to give someone focused attention. And I'm with the kids a lot of the time. So I've had to have some conversations with her because my sister has been able to travel. She's invited me to travel with her a lot. And it's like, I don't have a babysitter for yeah, that or that doesn't work out for us financially because I can't make a decision without you being good with it too. And yeah. to to your credit, you've never told me no on anything I've ever wanted to do or buy or whatever. But I still have to be thoughtful of you, sure. you know, or thoughtful that to like, well, damn, if Logan came to me and said he wanted to go for a trip that I don't get to go on, I might feel some type of way about <laughs> it. So. For sure, yeah, no. um, and so no, there are a lot of times where I say no to her. And I think for her being someone that, I mean, my sister is married now, but she just got married. And so up until yeah. that point, she got to make a lot of decisions and it literally was just up to her. If she wanted to go do it, she would go do yeah, it. I would be curious now to like discuss with your sister now that she's um, married to see like how it's going. And cause I know they've been together for a while, of course, but you know, marriage is kind of a new uh, crossing a Rubicon. Well, marriage and like living together, you know, they were very, they were way more traditional than us. You know, they did yeah, not, true. they did not live together. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, yeah, and like they, conversation to have and they got them. a dog, they mm -hmm. got a puppy. And so that now has caused her to not be able to go places as much as she wants because they're potty training kind a puppy. Getting a taste of that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. she was uh, between jobs um, from her wedding up until like, a week ago, she didn't have a job. So yeah. it was like her job was to stay home with the dog and like potty train it and yeah. do a, almost like in a stay at home mom role. And I remember call, she called me and she was like, hey, this is hard. Yeah. Like this is lonely. <laughs> I'm somebody that is used to having a lot of things to do and people that are like yeah. counting on me to do stuff or like. She was a run and gunner or still is, I guess, now that she's kind of getting back into some of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's like there was this part of me that, you know, I didn't want to hear her tell me that she was bummed out or miserable, but I, there was also this part of me that was like, oh my God, like she feels it. Yeah. You know, and good for her that she's getting out of it right yeah, away. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like, because I had that just kind of feeling of like, my, my parents don't get it. And they're somebody that I leaned on a lot for support in that way. And they just don't. Unfortunately, they're just not in the headspace to understand yeah. where I'm at, yeah. um, which it which sucks because it yeah. affects now how how I communicate with them. Um, because I need to feel supported right yeah. now. I don't need criticism. I don't need well, you're so lucky or whatever. I need somebody to just hear me and be like, "That sounds really hard," and yeah. I'm really sorry. And like, you're doing a good job. What can what can I do to support you in that? 
And instead I'm getting a lot of like, well, you know, if you would get your kids down for a nap at a normal time or, you know. If, Advice. And- yeah. It's like, I didn't ask for that. I don't need you to like critique what I'm doing because I'm literally like, I'm giving it all I've got right now. And sometimes the best version of what I can give is a lot of cleaning or I'll get caught up on the laundry or I'll vacuum or whatever. I'll do these things and the kids and I will go do the beach and then I'll get home and still make lunch and do all this stuff. And then other days, the best I'm able to give is like we all ate today uh, and we stayed home. And like that was it. That's like all I have in me. And I think those are the days that I need the support the most and my parents are not able to give it because they don't, they just don't get it. Um, and so I'm thankful that my sister had that small taste of it because I think now when I call her, she will, she'll understand where I'm coming from and she'll be that like, yeah, like she'll be that person I really need to, to get it. And even my, even Sarah, like staying home through the summer in the moments when she doesn't have her kid, she called me the other day and she was like, I am so bored. Like I don't, all my friends are busy. Yeah. I don't have my kid. I don't have a job. Yeah. I don't want to go do anything by myself. Like this is awful. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, it is though, right? Like it is actually (laughs) awful. (laughs) And again, good for her. She's like getting ready to get back into her job. But yeah, so super thankful for the relationship that I do have with my sister. And I think that's one of the best things that my parents did for us was like hey this is important and it means that you're gonna have to have like hard conversations when your sister doesn't feel like you're giving a fuck about what's going on with her or if you feel like nobody understands where you're what you're going through that's where Um, i was uh you know growing up pretty um you know culture shock when i came into your household when we first started dating is that yeah you guys talked about everything um and while in my household, yeah, we, you know, we said he, we love each other and, you know, hey, hug your brother, you know, hug and make up, all that stuff. We, you know, we did do that stuff. But the intensity that you guys focused on making sure that, uh, again, like making sure it was known that you and your sister are each other's only siblings and, uh, your relationship after you guys decide to move on is not a guarantee. And I didn't have that kind of beat into us, me and my brother or my sister. Um, and so I think we're kind of realizing the effects of that now because, um, you know, I, I'm just now kind of getting back to the stage of being able to talk to my brother uh, there was about how how long did that last? Like two years that we didn't talk, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Maybe even a little bit longer. And um, we had a big falling out, and I finally reopened that door because you know I felt like I needed that. Something I've always struggled with with my brother is uh, you know abandonment, and that's where I do look at what you and your sister have, even when you're it's rocky with you guys. It's still. Um, it is still a level of, uh, you know, sibling ship. That yeah. I just, like no matter what my sister and I, no matter how mm-hmm. mad we are at each other or how big the fight feels, we always mm-hmm. know at the end of the day, like we're, we're fucking here. Yeah. Like you're my number one homie. I'm your yeah. number one homie. Like we're, we're here for each other. Even when I mm-hmm. actively want to fight you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I, I'm still going to be struggling with the the big fundamental differences between me and my brother, I think, until I die, probably. And it's just a, a matter of reconciling my life with his life and we're doing okay at this juncture. Um his kids have grown up um a little bit more. Obviously our kids have as well. And so um, I think we're in a new chapter to where we we can get there. But it hasn't always been roses and the adult phases. And, and, you know, when we were kids, it also wasn't the best. You know, there's a lot of um, 
he he used me for his entertainment uh for sure he would uh you know i was the i was the kid who'd test the ramps um he there was a time where he would uh lock me in a suitcase and i shoved me down the stairs tied me up under the bed uh lots of gnarly stuff which again i'm sure i'll have more fun stories to go into but it was uh a little more than just typical razzing but you know I'd be curious to have his input on all that too, because we really haven't. We we talked a little bit that one night where he came to our house and we were on the porch, and I explained to him a little bit about how I felt, because you know, I feel like I think a little bit less today, but I, for the longest time, again, I'm 32, but I've always felt like I was just the kind of dumb little brother to him. And he can't shake that vision of me just being, can I please play with you guys? You know, <laughs> he just can't get that out of his head. Yeah. And um, he's always going to be smarter. To, to his credit, he is fucking smart. He is. He's, uh, he's an engineer. He's Six Sigma certified. This dude's a fucking numbers guy. Yeah, he's he is really fucking smart. However, I'm also smart. In different you ways. are, baby. <clears throat> Thank you. <laughs> in different ways, for sure. Um, and I, I think I think our next chapter in life is going to be a lot of this because also Stormy, uh, my my sister, had reached out after we had sent her the pilot, and things were a little rocky with her as well. Um, and maybe yeah, maybe you could speak a little bit on Stormy because um, Stormy and I have always had. She's three years younger than me, around there, and um, she's my half sister. So uh, I was, I when I would go to to my dad's, she would stay with my mom and and her dad, which was my stepdad Darren. Um, and there just wasn't a whole lot of overlap by the time her and I could hang out between the then the time that mom divorced Darren. And then I was trying to figure shit out with my dad. And then she was trying to figure out being in a divorce herself. And we just didn't have a whole lot of time to be brother and sister, truly, I think. Um, and so, yeah, she reached out after the pilot and kind of expressed the fact that she was really sad about how uh, we had lost the... Uh, siblingship I can I need to come up what, yeah. what is the word I'm looking for there? yeah well like when you and I first started dating Stormy was 12 or 13 and uh and I just thought she was like this cute little sister she yeah. didn't like bother us a lot she wasn't annoying to me at least I didn't think she was annoying like at all um and she just kind of there for a while it felt like anytime I was over there she kind of followed me around and it reminded me of how I was with my sister because I was the little sister right and so it was like well I, I never wanted a little sister I wanted a little brother because I was a tomboy and my sister was not and I wanted somebody to play in the mud with me um but Stormy Stormy had some tomboy in her she was all right with it mm -hmm. and so like there were a couple summers where her and I would like swim in the lake a bunch together. And like that little lake, I don't even know if it's technically a lake. I think it's just a big pond. But like, do you remember Depends like on this? Who you ask. <laughs> do you remember the like pond scum on the bottom? It's just like yeah. nasty, sludgy yeah. mud. Of course. And we would all like literally throw it at each other and mm -hmm. like hit each other in the heads with it. Mm -hmm. And I think about that now as an adult. And I'm like, <laughs> that is so foul. Like just the nasty yeah. that was in that mud. But, like, she was just this, like, you know, dirty little kid that would play with me. And, yeah, like, that right. was great. You know, I got to just kind of have that with her. And then as she got older and I was still sticking with you, we were still around, um, that was cool. She would, like, tell me what was going on with her and, like, share secrets. And, uh, and it was this really sweet relationship that we had. But, yeah, I feel like Stormy and I just got to this place where we were like, we were like sisters, you know, I was in her wedding. Um, we just, we were close. And then right after the big fallout with your brother, and then I had some stuff going on with your mom and, 
uh, and then some stuff happened with Storm. I felt like, you know, they say like shit happens in threes and man, it did for us. And I would just, and so I, we had two years of not speaking, um, Stormy and I, and it had gotten to this place where you had kind of fixed things with your brother and I had fixed things, well, your mom and I had fixed things with each other. Um, and, and Stormy was still, her and I were still pretty cold to each other. We didn't text at all. If we were around each other at family stuff, we were very like short and sweet. Um, but then we did that pilot episode and you sent it to everyone in your family. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the night before um, we heard back from everybody on it, I had had some insomnia I think just because we had recorded it and I knew it was going out to everybody and I was nervous about what people would think or if my voice was annoying or whatever (laughs) um and I actually had just there were a handful of people I read through old text messages yeah and I was up until like probably three o'clock in the morning and and Stormy's were among the ones that I looked at and that was when I had realized it had been over two years since we had texted each other and I'm like I don't even I don't even know what to say. Right. I don't know where she's at. How do you pick up again? Yeah. And again, that part of me that is like, I just assume you don't want it, you know, which isn't fair. Right. <laughs> but it's she like could assume the same. But I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable position if I reach out to you and say like, Hey, I'm like kind of ready to just move on from this. Are you like I miss you? Yeah, it's a risk. Um, and the morning after that. Uh, she listened to it and reached out to me and sent this really nice, super long text. Um, and so I just immediately walked outside and FaceTimed her and we just like cried on the phone mm-hmm. together and just said, we're, I'm so sorry. Like, I think we both could have done things differently and w- wouldn't have ended up where it was. And yeah. I'm, like, I do miss you and I miss the relationship. And, and I think that, It's funny because for a long time, I felt so frustrated with you when it came to how you communicated with your siblings because it was so different from me with mine. Mm -hmm. And I wanted you to communicate these things. Like I wanted you to tell your brother what you needed from him. I wanted you to like get closer to Stormy and and really pour more into that relationship because I felt like I had almost always been a little closer to her than even you had. And I didn't always understand that um and you didn't you you just weren't raised that way you know you you guys weren't raised in a home where you guys talked through things in the way that I did with mine and Mm -hmm. I think for Stormy to listen to that and to reference hearing me talk about having hard conversations and so she literally started the text with you know hey uh, on the topic of having hard conversations, yeah, right. like I miss you, and yeah. I don't know where you're at, but I was very I happy hope that to that's hear where you are. That that was that had happened so quickly. Yeah, because it just it feels like if nothing else ever comes from this, knowing that our first episode we were able to kind of mend a relationship that felt like it was just going to be awkward forever. Yeah. <laughs> um. Because I don't always know how to handle the 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 issues that I would have with you or with your family members. I knew how to handle them with you, but with your family members, yeah. Because my my process is to talk about it until we don't have anything else to say, mm-hmm. and their process was not to talk about it like that. And so I knew. Well, I'm putting you in an uncomfortable spot, which to me feels like the worst thing I could do to somebody is put them in an uncomfortable spot. It was very torturous for like, it was hard, uh, especially for that. Like, yeah, we, there was a period where we were just not communicating with hardly anyone. No, there was like a full year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where you were very minimum contact with your mom, no contact with your brother, no contact with stormy. And, and it just felt, yeah, it was weird. And it felt like this breathing space that I think we all needed mm-hmm. ultimately to like realize that we wanted those relationships and yeah and all of that. I wish but, we didn't have to go that route for yeah. sure. But in hindsight, it was the big reset button that we needed. And it really, I think, 
solidified the fact that, okay, let's set these boundaries and we are going to all just kind of reapproach this. Right. And still learning, you know, all the things. But so far, once we've started reopening doors and slow walking things, everything seems to be uh, in a much better place with everyone. Right. Um, and I think that's, as far as like my family and my perspective, hopefully this show will be the bumper that I can kind of use to help facilitate that for myself. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see where it, where it takes us anyway. And I hope, I hope my family, you know, will listen from time to time. Um, or I hope there's an episode where I can, you know, at the end think, oh, I really want to send this to my brother. Yeah. I hope I can trust that he can listen with an open heart. And yeah, again, maybe this will be the the note that you can pass in class because you're too nervous to say it to their face. You know, not that I'm too nervous right. to say things to my brother, but it, it, and not just my brother, but other people. Like maybe this is a way to uh, do a lot of work yeah. with, 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 uh, with the, the effort that we're putting out here. Well, and especially just having a space where somebody can listen and then like think about and process it. it. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to feel defensive. You don't have to feel like you need to hurry up and counteract what I said. Yeah. Like just you hear me. Yeah. Think about it. Mm-hmm. Hit me up if we have something to talk about. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, this is a probably a good spot to end it, but I do think we should get to the fact that. I'm sure by this point, if you've listened to the pilot and the first episode, you're probably wondering, hey, when are we going to get to like hearing from people who write in? Right. And uh, we're going to try to start sprinkling those, I think, over the next. Probably in the next episode. We'll next episode, next couple episodes, something like that. We'll start sprinkling them in. Um, It's a learning curve as far as, you know, I've literally never in my life asked a bunch of people, hey, send me your. Your life stories and right. your stories of trauma and and so it is a very heavy thing. Um, so uh, just know that we, Kate and I, are both going to uh, read everyone with the gravity I think they deserve and respect they reserve uh, deserve. When we read, uh, when we do decide to pull any part of it and put it on air, we I think we've just decided we're just going to keep that anonymous. Yeah, just to protect everybody at all times um and that's just kind of how we're going to move forward with that um and if you would like to um send in a, like a typed out message you can send it to my life at brokenyouthclub.com um and you could send in your basically anything you want if it's something you want to get off your chest if it is um maybe it's something that we've said and you just kind of want to speak on it a little bit yeah. It can be if it's a specific story, if it's just an overview of mm-hmm. your life in general, if it's a childhood trauma, if it's an adult trauma, yeah, whatever, anything that you feel like you need a safe space to talk about it, yeah, we hope that you'll send it in because yeah. we think that that can just be like a really great first step in healing is even like taking cathartic, the time to. Yeah. Even taking the time just to type it out and send it off. Absolutely. So, and and I think it's again important to say we'll say it multiple times, you know, because we don't love lawyers. If you're a lawyer listening, we love you, but we don't like the other type of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are not therapists, no. and that's not what we're trying to do here. We're not trying to give therapeutic advice or professional or medical advice or any of that. It's it's simply this is an outlet for you to feel your voice is heard and someone's listening. Because Kate and I are, and and I hope that eventually, yeah, we can get some sort of group going, um, something going where we can all feel safe to like, yeah, just uh, be together outside of the noise of every other fucking social media page and group and, you know, text threads and the company bullshit you're in and all the stuff. Right. And And hopefully this could be a place of... Yeah, community and solace and something new, man. I feel like it's something that I've been craving. I know it's something you've been craving, but um, yeah. And, and, and again, going back to 
being clear with what our goals are, I would love for this to be a thing where, you know, uh, it is it is not just a digital thing where we could find some sort of physical, uh, I don't know, meetup or something in the world down the line. Because I think what we're doing is going to be important for a lot of people. And it's going to be important for us. And it won't always be heavy, but because today yeah. was heavy and I am a mess, we did not introduce the show. Oh, yeah. We, so, we totally forgot to just uh, up up at top. Yeah. So welcome, <laughs> welcome to the Broken Youth Club. <laughs> and also goodbye. I'm Kate. I'm Logan. Uh, okay. Love you. Bye. We'll see you next week. Thank you.